Recorded live. All right, good evening, everyone. This is the Tech Call for March 6th, 2015. I'm John, and tonight we have Len on the line. He's a newcomer to the Target Individual community. I think he's been on other radio shows, and he's discussed topics of a technical nature here. And we want to welcome him tonight and all the other callers from the East Coast. I appreciate all the support and condolences that everyone has given me. Don't think that it's going unremembered. Uh, the new email address is shieldingteam at gmail.com. In case you don't already have it, we are doing a second call on Tuesday night. If you want to join us on there, it's at 9 p.m., same number. Now, Len, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, do you, do you want to give us a little bit of your background? Well, I've um, been involved in technology my entire life. I learned how to read electronic schematics and blueprints when I was six years old, and uh, I've uh, learned about uh, organic chemistry and mastered that entire science by the time I was about 15. And from there, I... I've been involved in um, industry when I was 18 and old enough to work. I've been involved in industry working um, as a uh, private contractor for um, you know, doing projects for companies like NASA, DARPA, uh, JPL, uh, Northrop Grumman, and uh, several other companies. And it's, it's so compartmentalized in that way that, uh, you know, if you were to call these places and ask, oh, did so-and-so ever do anything for you? Of course they're going to deny it, you know. But... Um, that's beside the point. Anyway, I've, I've been targeted for, uh, as far as I know, my whole life, but it's culminated within the past 10 years. And I get, you know, the V2K and the dream invasion and um, all that stuff. And I've pinpointed it down to uh, several things. One, the uh, nanofibers. There's these amyloid nanofibers that are being deployed in the chemtrails. And these, they're being sprayed everywhere. Everybody's breathing this stuff in. And it's in the food, it's in the water. And that is the medium by which these uh, scalar radiation, which is it's called terahertz beam steering. It uses a terahertz beam carrier, and it's modulated with an ELF, um, with an ELF signal. And it, it's done in such a way that uh, it, if you're um, standing in a crowd, the signal can be modulated with what is called bioencoding. Now, they can flood an entire crowd with this signal, but because of the bioencoding, which is specific to your DNA fractal pattern, it'll only affect the person that it's keyed to. So everybody can be irradiated, but only the person that it's locked onto will feel its effects. You follow? I do. And like what we're talking about, what I was just talking about last week, was where are they getting the power to run these terahertz beams? Because, you know, my research right now is pointing me in the direction of very high-voltage, square-wave-type power supplies. And, you know, I've been looking this up, and I found a couple companies that actually make these square-wave power conditioning, um, specified power for them to tap into that to get into these higher frequency ranges. So I guess the question is, how much of this power is out and about for us to, say, detect that, to uh, track back where some of this is coming from? Because that's kind of where I'm going with my work. Okay. Uh, well, um, first of all, there's several things as far as, you know, the, the um, background uh, ambient RFI and EMF goes. 
because of just the uh, natural, uh, because of all the technology and you know all the commercialization and you know the uh, telecom and all that stuff, the uh, background electrosmog is about a million times greater than the natural background. Now, that in and of itself is bad, but that's been weaponized to the hilt. So doing all kinds of other crazy things with that, you know, involving the uh, ground wave emergency network uh, towers and the, um, the HARP antenna system and the uh, Iridium satellite network and the Leonid satellite network and all these other satellite networks, it's all working together like a bunch of ants. You know, it's, it's one super organism and taking out just one or two of these machines is not going to do any good because it's a collective. It's run by an artificial intelligence algorithm. Does that make sense? It makes basic sense to me, but like I'm saying, we have a little bit of discrepancy amongst the people in our group as to what findings represent what on certain kinds of spectrum analyzers and oscopes and different equipment that we have. And, you know, until we get some solid scientific backing on, like, the things that we're finding, you know, we're shooting at fish in a barrel. I understand but that. Is I'm, I'm sorry. I, just, I, believe, I believe that this would not work if they did not have the power. And therefore, if they are abusing the grid, then that is something we can look at. If they're tapping something, they don't belong tapping, then that's good for us. Because now we can point to something as a source and then see what happens if we shut it off. And, um, you know, as far as an algorithm goes, if they don't have the power to use the damn thing, they can't hit us with it. So that's kind of where I'm going. Well, the the, um, the problem is with this uh, kind of equipment, there's two places where it exists where it's pretty out of reach and it's self-contained and self-powered by uh, nuclear power modules. I can get into that in a little bit. But um, the two places where these... <laughs> devices exist are underground in the deep underground bunkers and the military bases, you know, two miles plus underground in special places, or up in orbit 50 miles up or more, and in either case, they're out of reach, and they did their homework that way. So um, from here, what um, everybody's got to do, as far as I know, is do, do as much research and digging as possible to follow the money trail to the source, whoever that may be. Because um, there, there's this one company that uh, came out. It was called Hyperion, Hyperion Power Reactors. And this company pioneered uh, special um, nuclear fission power modules that used uranium nitride pellets, a uranium nitride ceramic pellet. That was the, the, these um, fuel pellets were revolutionary. And this device is about the size of a BW bus. And it's capable of running continuously for about 10 years. To cap it's capable of powering a small neighborhood. And they use it in places like Iceland and, you know, in the Arctic where there's, you know, in a rural community. And they put this device out there and power the whole, power the whole town with it. Now, they use that same device for powering all this other stuff, too. The company is now called Genpor Energy. Now, I mean, without getting too personal, are you are you willing to talk about anything specific that you worked on? I mean, if you don't feel comfortable with it, then by all means, don't. I mean, but like, well, can I, you I, tell, can you tell us anything specific that you worked on? Like, 
I don't know, like controls or like any kind of, you know, interfacing um, or any kind of like. Oh, digital analog interfacing, um, radio frequency um, matching, all that stuff. A analysis, signal analysis, spectrum analysis, time domain analysis, uh, you know, radar analysis, uh, scattering parameters for uh, phase matched coaxial cables, and all that good stuff. I have a really thorough background in radio frequency as well as electronics, which uh, I guess they consider me a threat because of that. So it's one of the reasons I think I'm being targeted. Are you familiar with Roger Tulsi's? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, he's got um, several uh, pieces of equipment that would probably be good looking into that are um, defense contractor um, spectrum analyzers made by Tektronics and Lucent. And these devices are not cheap. They're anywhere from you know 500,000 up. And that anything short of that is not going to detect this stuff because the equipment that's used to calibrate the drones and calibrate these directed weapons and you know calibrate these emission sources is the exact equipment that is needed to detect that kind of stuff. Up to up to what range are you talking? I'm talking up to 60 gigahertz at least. And it has to have a terabit error rate um, analysis capability so that it's capable of following the frequency hopping that occurs with that uh, spread spectrum um, modulation. Yes, that yes, 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 that's the problem right there, the hopping, okay? And uh, I'm with you because uh, I, don't, I don't have that grade of equipment, but I, with my very primitive equipment, I'm able to vouch for a lot of that. So what you're telling me and your professional opinion is None of this can be shielded against, and you're saying that nothing can be done. At least, I think I think the ELF component can be blocked with the proper placement of the correct shielding materials, and at least take that out of the equation. If they're going to beam right. something on my head from orbit, I mean, I can't do much about that. Like, I can do, you know, some very basic stuff. We have the, you know long discussions about what to use to shield. I don't know if you heard us talking just now, but a lot of these companies with this stuff they sell is not going to help you much. Yeah, I, I, I understand I mean, that completely. Uh, there's only one way I can see getting around the scalar stuff. Because I think of scalar as being a you know, hyperdimensional modulation of subspace, if you will. You know, it's, it's electromagnetic domain outside of convention. And because of that, you have to you know, kind of think outside the box, in other words, because scalar involves the, um, the creation of an interference pattern between two, um, two oncoming signals, and, and then there's a, um, there's a heterodyning mixing that occurs in a localized area of space. The only way to disrupt that is to disrupt one of those beams through what's called destructive interference. You have a device that samples that signal and then outputs an exact 180 degrees out of phase, piggybacking upon that signal, the same power output. In other words, creating an electromagnetic void. That is the only way I can see getting around that. Uh, sir, do you mean you mean basically a, an expensive jammer? Exactly. It's, it, it replicates the signal, but in 180 degree, um, it, mirrors, it mirrors the signal and overlaps that mirrored signal upon 
the um, sampled signal, thus canceling it out into zero. Okay, thank you. No, I, you know, I guess we could agree that it would be interesting to know where said signal is coming from in order to intercept it. And if we're talking about a beam, then it is something that we could really work with. If it is spread out like a typical RF type thing, that's going to be harder to deal with. So what do yes, we do as far as the beam detection goes? I know the group in Japan has a device that is a glass chamber full of some type of gas, and they charge this gas like a primitive CRT tube, and when the beam right. hits it, it illuminates the glass, like one of those... uh a transmitter and receiver tube, like... Oh, yeah, plasma balls. It works like the same way as transmitter-receiver tubes on the Navy ships, and the naval radar ships and the warships that have the radar and the waveguides. They have yes, the yes, tubes in there yes. called DR tubes. Same thing. Yeah. So where where do we yeah, get that, that from? Well, eBay is the best place for getting all that stuff. But uh, the problem is having a, an entire chamber that's aligned with a, um, a, a, a rarefied envelope of, uh, say, neon gas. Neon gas has the lowest ionization potential, which is the best one to use for that. But uh, creating a chamber which has, say, a uh, you know a two-inch cavity all around its entire perimeter, and have it be able to be reinforced at a tenth of an atmosphere, and then hold that under an electric charge, that's not going to be cheap. I have worked in um, several different um, departments where when we're calibrating the, um, the radio equipment, calibrating receivers, transmitters, transceivers, and what have you, it's all done in a screen room. It's you know, kind of like a walk-in freezer that's been uh, shielded with you know, copper mesh and um, you know, gold plating, and it's got the, uh, the copper gaskets all around the door frame and everything. It's uh, completely shielded. And being inside one of those is um, about the closest you can get to being in an RFI-free environment, uh, you know, as far as cheapness goes. Well, now that you're here, like, I'm just trying to, you know, toss some ideas out there on stuff that we've done because, I mean, we work with DC fields where we take DC motors and we use the field that that motor generates to um, provide active shielding. We've done, right. you know, very thick layers of, like, you know, I use a lot of the steel radial tires. I swear by that material, it doesn't block at all. But it works very good for the dirty currents. It works very good for the extremely low frequency stuff, and it blocks infrared too. So, you know, I'm just trying to throw some ideas out there on stuff that we've tried. Um, There's this one material that's called Aquadag, which is uh, used for high voltage corona doping and um, in cathode ray tubes and X-ray tubes, and it looks like it's kind of like um, alcohol and um, graphite powder and carbon nanotube powder and you paint it on and it dries really quick and it's used for you know corona shielding of high voltage devices and all that stuff and I was wondering about trying some of that maybe you know layering that on um, on some aluminum or something because uh, it has to be composite material it can't be a solid you know thick piece of metal it has to be laminates and composites and there has to be um, this, uh, uh, inconsistencies in conduction patterns because that's how RF works if you have a, um, a surface 
with with uh, conduction pattern inconsistencies. Um, in other words, parts of it not conducting as well as the other parts, it causes uh, huge impedance losses and thus absorbs it. That's how the uh, the radar absorption yes, material yes, works. Yes, yeah. yes, it's the same let's idea. Say, let's say, let's say for the poor man's equivalent of that, let's say I was to use a CRT tube yoke, which is your focusing mechanism that has your copper wrapped magnetite, and that has your leads out on it, and you could put some very mild current into that and use that for your scattering device, like to make your scattered electrons. I've had success with that, but I don't have the voltage quite right. I don't think 60 volts is enough. It might but have I, oscillating field, too. Go ahead. Yeah, not, go ahead. Just, like I said, I'm just throwing some ideas out there because this is going to get <laughs> this is going to get far out real fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I, have, I haven't gotten really far out yet. If I start talking about the nanotechnology and how that it all works, like, you know, sometimes it causes fights because then it starts bringing in, you know, the A word, which I don't want to get into, you know, yet. <laughs> Alien word. And people don't want to accept that and want to keep that out of the out of the uh, topic. <laughs> well, it appears as though randomly scattering these electrons or these mild currents really does a good job at masking a person's electrical signal because at our conference, we had our professor from Connecticut come with his mobile ham rig, and he teed up at 160 megahertz, and he just let that thing ping the whole weekend and right. we think the whole time, right? Yes, so we think Well that 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 sounds interesting. That was either I mean, a decoy type signal for them or it like it was some sort of an active shielding type thing, but the whole time that thing was pinging, we didn't have any problems in there. As soon as he shut it off and left is when all the problems started up. But ask anybody that's on here that was at the conference, they'll tell you. Well, it could very well be scrambling their ability to lock on, and um, you know because of the fact that they're locking onto your DNA, it might it might interrupt that. Um, and one of the reasons, one of the ways like that you can um, substantiate them being able to lock on your DNA is just talk to any TI and ask them if they sleep better or feel more at ease when they're staying over at somebody else's house. And that's the case with me. When I'm over in my bedroom, I can't sleep, and I get voices and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? But when I'm when I'm off the premises somewhere else, I'm fine. I I mean, I still get the uh, I still get a little bit of attacks here and there, but it's like uh, they're having trouble locking on. In other words, they target you in your bedroom. Well, I was reading about I was reading about beams and the way they are constructed. No two beams are the same. There's different ones of them, but the premise is that it encapsulates itself in its own electromagnetic force. That is what allows it to travel through open air. So one of the defenses right. is magnetics, which is why a lot of us will use the magnets directly on our body. Some people put them in the hatch. What, whatever affected area is getting hit disrupts the magnetic yep. field between the source and the body. So the idea is 
you're going to make that beam lose its electromagnetic encapsulation before it hits you. And then when it hits you, it loses steam. So that's uh, another thing to think about. Yes, it's all about those fibers, those fibers that are you know, implanted in everybody that everybody's breathing in. See, these fibers, right. they have, they're, they're, matched, they're matched up with the wavelength as an antenna. These fibers themselves are antennae for the higher frequency radiation. You know, the, um, the length right. of, of a conductor so is, is proportional what, to its wavelength. What do you think of John Mecca's? What do you think of John Mecca's power bands? The, the, uh, pardon me. The, the what, what? what do you think of John Mecca's power band concept? I don't know about that one. I have to check into that one. Well, we got a TI. He's done a little experimentation, and he sells these bands. You put them on all your joints, like you put a band on each knee, you put a band on each elbow, and you wear one as a necklace. And you put, I think, two on your wrist, and it disrupts that antenna arrangement. Yes, I understand. It's a, yeah, okay. It sounds like a, qu- a quantum. There's a quantum effect going on because your your nerves, your entire nervous system is is the um, the actual and it's been turned into an antenna. In other words, by these fibers have biologically altered you into being an antenna. Your your nervous system is a, is what what they call wetware in the industry. In other words, it's like a wet wire, you know, a biological wire. But it's been hacked chemically and biologically to where it's an antenna. That's where the remote neural monitoring, all that stuff comes in. But um, th- these fibers that everybody has in them, it's, um, it's causing, you know, just all the social disorder. That's what, it all, that's what the origin of it is. You know, all the cognitive dissonance and how um, a lot of people if you, that aren't TIs, you mentioned anything having to do with targeting or being a targeted individual or, hey, or have a look at this data, they automatically shut down and say, nope, 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 don't want anything to do with it. You know, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. You can't, you can't help them. You can't help them. But it's because of that nanotechnology, they're like that. It's a, it's a synthetic mental illness on a global level. See, it, it, it's, a, um, it's basically MK Ultra gone amok. I call it MK Extra because MK Ultra was, um, you know, different, uh, you know, compartmentalized think tanks and black projects. MK Extra, I call MK Ultra, but when it's been let out and loose to the open field. There's MK Delta, which was the MK project that was focused on the electromagnetics, microwaves, and all that. So they have definitely blocked this, and everybody on here, like your. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir, so uh, we know we know what battles to fight and which to avoid, and that's why we try and do this. So when they won, right. they can come in search of. And like this last thing that I just went through with my family, it was a living nightmare. I I don't even want to talk about it, but they still do not believe. And if they don't believe by now, I don't think they're ever going to believe. So. I did the best I could tell them. They're not on their own. Of course, I'm still going to be available, but it doesn't look like they're going to come around anytime soon. So if they do, they can listen to this. Yeah, I try to stay away from those kind of people when I figure out if they're not open to that kind of thing because in my world, those kind of people are dangerous. (laughs) You know? So we can agree. We can agree on the magnetics as a defense mechanism. We can agree on the 
field, right? We can we can agree on the active electricity type of shielding materials, our dream shields and our, you know, double motors and those DC experiments that we're doing. Right. And there's even rice machines that are being pulled at work too. Rice machines yes. tens yes. Like yes. putting on a tens that. unit and turning that on, you know, can disrupt it as well. I've had luck with that. I've also had luck with fossil geotones and, and bi, uh, binaural isochronics. Have you ever heard of those? Uh, binaural isochronic is a new one to me. I, what's that? It's uh, they're uh, sound, sonic tones, which are um, you listen to in your uh, with your headphones on. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. I, I know. I know yeah. that as yeah, binaural. Yeah, they, they, they've worked great for me. I would put on the headphones and blast it for about an hour every day and for about two weeks or so. And I would notice that the tinnitus would dramatically decrease after having done that. So that might be something to look into. Well, I'm just I'm going through my internal list of things like I covered John Mecca's power vans. I covered the, you know, the active shielding concepts with these DC motors generated magnetic fields. We covered the magnets. We looked at some materials. We talked about last week, actually the week before last week, we talked about shielding an entire house. And what else? Binaural beats. I mean, I know them as binaural beats. Right, right. But, yeah, they, they were great for me. I don't know about everybody else, but I, I can stand by them. I'm going to hand you $50,000 and tell you to buy all the equipment that we need to generate this signal. And you're going to go on eBay, and you're going to find us the surplus parts that we need, and we're going to build a prototype. Okay. Now, once we build this, where are we going to point it? So now we need, to, we need the Japanese in on this, so we have their beam detector kit. Well, there's this um, one detector. I, I actually I'm putting it all over um, all over Facebook and everything. I, I got um, I had several accounts on Facebook, and of course they all get shut down. You know, I, I post too much truth on there, and you know it upsets somebody. But um, there, there's a lot of posts I, I put it involving these um, detectors and transmitters and um, the physics behind it. And I always cite government sites. I always cite EDU sites. I don't go with Wikipedia or any of that stuff. I, I always cite you know, Stanford and Princeton and DARPA and Air Force. I only go with you know, real information that substantiates everything that we are talking about. All right, well, I guess, I mean, when I when I come up with more, I'll chime back in. But if you want to join the discussion, start on your telephone line, and we're talking about technologies and detection and effects and where this might be coming from. I want to hear, especially from anyone whose targeting has gotten worse in the last week. Oh, um, I noticed a lot of... Well, a lot of weird stuff has been ramping up in the, in the past, uh, actually the past month, I, I can say, uh, past few months even. Um, a, lot of this, uh, tar a lot of this targeting, it, it goes beyond what most people John. are aware of. I'm, 
you know, walking around outside in the city, for instance, you know, and it's like that one movie with Denzel Washington. That um, you, you know, what, what's that one movie um, where where the one spirit, so the evil spirit, he could jump from body to body to body. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, where everybody that you're walking into just random strangers look at you and talk and say say your name and say something to you at random, and you're like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? You know, stuff like that's been happening to me. <laughs> That's that's the artificial intelligence algorithm at work. You see, remote neural monitoring work. It works both ways. It's a bilateral communication system. It not only allows the computer to you know fix on your thoughts and emotions, but it can also plant thoughts and emotions and motives. Any comments on that? Uh, you guys, this is Elaine. If y'all yeah. Houston, Texas, can you hear me? No. Hello. Yeah, guys, two people talking. I think it's we the people in Texas. Go. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. This is Elaine in Houston, Texas. Um, I hardly ever get to call the shielding call, but I want to. Um, I'm usually on there on Saturday night on the Saturday call, but I wanted to bring up. Um, since I'm just tuning in like 15 minutes or so into the call, um, I met another T.I. here in Houston. And we, between her and myself, we already knew kind of about vinyl. I told her about vinyl. But something different she noticed, she said it tends to work better turned inside out. In other words, with the shiny part towards your body. Uh, for electronic uh, frequency, shiny part towards hmm. the body, this the, the silky part. Uh, well, that also, makes sense because one side is reflective. Uh, another thing, now she she discovered by pure coincidence, she said the material her grandmother used to make drapery happened to be. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Tafila. T, I think it's T A F F E T A T like Tom A F F like Frank E T like Tom A like Apple. She said that seems to some kind of way minimize the uh, the hit. I don't know how it works, but some kind of way that material happens. And as far as the targeting lift picking up, I've seen for the first time, I saw like three X's on my house and almost like a tic-tac-toe. And uh, I don't know if you're going to hear me. But I also saw the biggest chemtrail. I'm talking about chemtrails. I saw like three X's chemtrails. And then I saw one that looked like a rainbow. It was so arched. I've never seen that before. I've really been getting shaken up at the vibration. Applause that you guys talk. Thank you. Well, I want to I want to I want to take a little time for anybody that's on the phone to ask. I guess our guest for tonight, the scientist, has worked with a lot of this. He's a rare appearance here. If you have any questions for Len, star eight on your telephone. There's like. 30 people on the phone and 20 in the chat room. 
John. Elvira, John. How are you tonight? I'm hanging in there. I just wanted to tell you about what's happening on Sunday, and a lot of the people that's listening to you now may want to tune in. Todd Sterling. He is going to be on Linda's show at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, and he talks a lot about shielding as well. Any questions, please ask John, because John knows him too as well. And thank you for letting me make that announcement, and thank you all for listening. Okay, John. I, I hear you. Connecticut, you're up. Hello. Go ahead, Connecticut. Well, hi. Um. I was wondering if you know anything um, about drones. Um, Someone was speaking the other night and mentioned that they're shooting payload sensors into us through the walls. Drones, wow. Yes, the the drones, well, these... uh, their sensors, as far as I know, they are holographic um, biosensors. They're self-assembled holographic biosensor computers, and they're manufactured by Sandia Laboratories out of uh, New Mexico. And that's what's being deployed in the chemtrails, these amyloid fibers, they call them, and these um, holographic self-assembling biofibers, they call them, and nanofibers, they call them. It's all the same stuff. It's yeah, it's, it's all for remote neural monitoring and mind control and all that. But uh, its delivery system is done in several ways. There's some people that actually have, you know, like a little gun full of this stuff, and they'll walk past you in the supermarket, and, you know. But uh, they're operating in a in a domain that's uh, it's, it's hard for people to wrap their head around this holographic type stuff because they're operating in a in a domain because they're using special equipment, special technology that's. Uh, it's out of this world. This, all this stuff is really out of this world. It's classified super black tech, black project type stuff. And the only way to to, um, to actually get get your um, get get a handle on it, as far as I know, is through a program called Skyjack. Well, Skyjack is a um, it's a freeware program that's being um, put out there on the internet, and it's specifically designed for hijacking and commandeering control of drones. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I thought it would. <laughs> from what I gather, from what I when, when I hear everybody talking about the nanotechnology as if it is, you know, exhaust out of the guy's car in front of you, like they're spreading so much of this around that there's no escaping it anyway. How, you know, does anybody have any ideas on how to detect how much of this may already be in your body as opposed to the next dumping? Like, like does anybody have any theories on how to test, like, blood or something, like, electrically to see, like, what kind of a dose you've inhaled of this, whatever it is? I, I believe, I believe it is. I believe this is happening. 
I know these chemtrails are not just chemtrails. There's got to be something else to it. I know there are days when I am more charged up than others, and I know on days when I'm very charged up, there tends to be a lot of chemtrails around. So I know these, I know these things are involved. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely involved. That's you know, it, that's you know a huge piece of the puzzle right there. And but we have people, we have people, we have people that swear by these tape demagnetizers, and they put these demagnetizers on their body, and they actually electromagnetically pulse their own body with these tape demagnetizers, and I don't think that's a good idea. You know, there's magnetite in, in the brain, too, in the pineal gland. And if um, there's a lot of electromagnetic disturbance, that's what causes the, you know, the vertigo and it causes birds to uh, you know, fly off course and all kinds of stuff. You know, the electromagnetic radiation, is, it actually affects the magnetite in the brain to uh, alter, the, um, you know, alter your, uh, your senses of direction. Well, my alternative, and it's what I'm doing more and more lately, is I'm using component-level resistors strategically placed in places where I would normally put the magnets. Anywhere you would put a magnet, put a resistor instead, and there's different types of them. There's your Cermat resistor. There's your carbon resistor. I'm using a combination of both of those, and I'm getting very good results. And the impact is very good. These resistors, they cure the headaches, they cure the heartburn, they take the pains out of the feet. Anywhere you have direct problems, if you apply these resistors to it, anywhere you would put a magnet, swap out the magnet for one of these resistors, and it's instant relief. That's Where do you get that? It might not like I'm saying, it, it, it might not stop the monitoring, it might not stop, you know, the actual interfacing, but the pain that happens as a result of it, it's a relief of that. And at least right. you can function at a normal level. You know what I mean? If you're somewhat protected with something. Yes, I get those a lot in my feet. You know, it feels like a like a sudden bee sting or even somebody putting a cigarette out on my foot. You know, all of a sudden it makes me jump up. You know, and it, it's them. And oh, that, that reminds me. There was this one time. It was about maybe two or three months ago. I was out in front. You know, I was outside at night. You know, just enjoying the fresh air and all that. And it was raining. You know, the ground was wet and everything. And I was barefoot. And I was just you know sitting on the couch and everything. And all of a sudden, I felt this really, really sharp burning sensation, like a cigarette being put out on my foot. And it made me jump up. And I go, whoa. And I saw this poof of steam come up from the ground where my foot was, like two or three poofs of steam, like as if it was an invisible infrared beam being targeted, you know, tar- targeting that, that point. And that can be done from very far distance using satellites. In fact, satellites have already been equipped with um, infrared jammers, infrared lasers, X-ray lasers, ultraviolet lasers, and um, various other types of directed energy beam devices that are powered by the sun. Right, well, to combat that, we put Capri Sun pouches in our shoes. I use these other foil and plastic pouches. I put the reflective side out. I put the plastic side against my foot. 
and then I keep my feet off the ground. If I can, I will have a piece of radio rubber tire underneath, or I'll roll up the screens. But I think you want to keep your feet off the ground. There's a big debate on this. Some people say go out and walk around in bare feet, and you'll be all rosy with the world. I find that that is not the case. I find the more my feet are off the ground, the less the targeting is. So... Uh, I think that there's, I've experienced um, situations to substantiate both claims. Um, number one, where I would be on the ground, <coughs> excuse me, and lay on the ground, laying down, you know, on on the floor, and there was just you know, the only thing in between me and the foundation was, you know, about you know a quarter inch of carpeting, right? And I'm laying there, and all of a sudden I I feel like this energy beam scanning over my body. It locks onto my heart. And then, you know, these uh, voices pop into my head and start tormenting me. But as soon as I get up off the ground, it goes away. But other times, I've experienced that, and then I would shield with grounded shielding, and it would go away. And um, I've experienced more of it going away without grounding than with grounding, though. No, wait, wait. Say that again. You've experienced better relief without grounding than with it. Yes, as far as you know, as far as that goes. But it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't well, always work. I think, I think, are... I think the misinformation the mis- on this is you want to ground your shielded material but not your body. You want to ground your shielded enclosure, but you don't necessarily want to ground your body. And you want your shielded yeah, okay, material. Yeah, I understand that. Right, right. Well, I, I, this is for everybody else on here. But because the grounding debate comes up every week. There, there are the proponents for the grounding and the opponents for it, and I'm just saying, you you need to ground your shielding material at your body. So, plan well, accordingly. Well, that goes back to what uh, I was saying. That goes back to what I was saying before about the uh, layer, layering and composites. In, in other words, this would be a like a, a dielectric uh, shielded cocoon where it's you know electronically shielded on the outside with an internal dielectric to insulate you on the inside. And, yeah, that, that's the idea there. You got it. All right, South Central Florida, you're on the call. I guess they're not. If anyone has any questions for when, sorry on your phone. Now's the time. Kansas, did you get a chance to talk? Um, not yet. No, I have a couple questions. One, I'd I'd like to uh, hear him repeat what he said about the aqua something that can be painted on. And also, um, I described some hits that I had been receiving to Neil, and he described them as acoustic attacks. Could he explain to me what they are and if they're localized and if there's a defense for that? Um, well, the, the the shielding paints, there, there are several um, different uh, paints that have... Um, 
copper dust and brass dust and even iron dust and metallic dust um, impregnated paints. You can find find that on eBay all over the place, but it's not cheap usually. No, the, you mentioned earlier something called aqua something. Uh, Aquadag, A-Q-U-A-D-A-G. And it's also, uh, there's a variant of that called high-voltage corona dope. That's what it's called in the industry. It's like this black gooey stuff that's applied to um, high-voltage CRTs and um, you know, Tesla coil outputs and stuff to reduce the coronal discharge. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, and are you familiar with the acoustic weapons? Oh, yes. The, um, the, the In fact, there was an accidental discovery by Russian scientists and it involved a, um, a air conditioning fan that had, had some kind of look um, malfunction in it that it was um, outputting uh, ELF to such a high, uh, it was such a high decibel level that uh, the people inside the lab were, would grow ill, I mean extremely ill, to the point where if they were to stay in there, they would die. And as soon as they left the lab, everything was fine. And they actually discovered this um, this phenomenon and then weaponized it. Uh-huh. There's a, there's a show on, um, on TV, uh, I believe it's on the Science Channel, called Dark Matters, hosted by uh -huh. um, John Noble, the same guy who was in Fringe and Lord of the Rings. He hosted a show called Dark Matters, and it has um, all kinds of um, stuff, you know, episodes involving you know, Tuskegee experiments and MK Ultra and all of that stuff. But there was this one um, episode he did. It was all about the, um, you know, the psychotronic weapons and um, electromagnetic weapons and sonic weapons. Uh huh. So that'd probably be a good show to look into. Is do you know if those are localized? Weapons. If you can be, if you are being hit by someone within a close proximity, or if those are um, um, satellite dispersed. Well, the sonic weapons are usually close range, but um, there's different kinds of sonic weapons. A, a lot of the sonic weapons, the quote unquote weapons, I mean, they're more more for intimidation than anything else. A device called the audio spotlight. There's a device out there called the audio spotlight. And what it does is it outputs two ultrasonic beams, something like about, uh, they're like 46 kilohertz each or something like that. And where those two beams converge, it creates a mixing heterodyning effect and you get audible sound only in that localized point in space. So in other words, they can take this device and point it at you from, say, down the street and call your name and it sounds like there's a ghost in your room talking to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've had well, that done to me well, too. Well, this one, well, this one hits me in the chest and doubles me over, or in the back as I'm driving past a certain point. Well, I've been hit really hard before, where I've been hit in the head and it knocked me down on the ground. It felt like uh -huh. an electronic shock, and yeah. it, was, it was pulsing like you know, like ten times a second for about half, like half a minute or so, and I was on the ground just you know, totally in agony, and, you know, spinning around and everything. And it was, every, every time it hit, my vision would go white. I mean, it was crippling, debilitating, extreme pain. And that that was done through satellites. They actually lock onto your, um, to these nano nanoprobes that are inside of your body mm -hmm. and directly shock your nervous system with, with intense pulses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been done to me. These would last a couple, uh, about two days. 
the effects would go away after about two days. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I know about I know all about that. I've experienced all that stuff. And now, having, as far as as far as the component level like research goes on this, like I'm working with actual 12 volt relays right now, and these are you know what a relay is? It takes one voltage right. and a trip to split. These are proving to be very interesting um, circuits because apparently there's a coil inside this relay. And when something is applied to it, it definitely scrambles up something. So I'm looking at the left knee as a place to put one of these. And then there's this virtual triangle. i got to get the definition of it. But it's like the human electromagnetic aura, which is focused right. around the left knee. And when you hold your hands out, it's your left, left hand, right hand, and your left knee. So if you focus these relays around those three points, it really scrambles shit. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of component level stuff now. Well, that, that sounds you're like you're on the ball there because that's what's needed exactly is three, you have to have three points, three, three transmission points as a triangle. You know, you're creating a you know, triangulation station and you're inside of that bubble. That's exactly right. Yes. And, and this comes really. back to the John Mecca power bands where he's only using a band, but what I'm doing here is I'm taking it to the component level. I'm using the resistors in combination with these relays and it's really doing a decent job at scrambling the body's electrical signal. And plus, with the active shielding stuff, if we could just figure out where these beams are coming from, we would have a lot better success. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. These beams are kind of omnipresent, you know. Um, they're being transmitted from not just one tower, but every cell phone tower. Every cell phone tower is heterodyning stuff. Every cell phone tower, every Gwen tower, every satellite, and even your cell phones in unison are are all acting like this. In fact, it's to it, it's so involved that the um, you know the the the, the 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 suits, the goons, and the higher up doing the, this kind of uh, you know surveillance, you know the handlers in front of the monitors, those guys, they have the capability just using the Wi-Fi signals from from the ambient Wi-Fi from your neighbor's Wi-Fi you know antennas and the hotspots and all that stuff. Just using that alone, they're able to see where you are in your house and if you're squatting or sleeping or whatever. Just using the Wi-Fi as radar, makes sense. Yes, 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 it does. Yeah, I I post all kinds of stuff all about that. It's, you can look it up. Look up Wi-Fi radar sees through walls, and there's links all about that. What what's your website? Oh, I don't have a website. I'm, I'm just a Facebook oh. poster. <laughs> oh, okay. I wish I had, I wish I had a website, but you know I'm you know being targeted and all that stuff financially. You got an email. Website. You got a you got an email address or some way to contact you. I get I have a couple very interesting things I would like you to read. Okay, yeah. Um, well, you know Melinda Fee. Um, you can you can contact her, and then you know she she'll uh, re relay it to me in real time. Look, go, go get a pen. A pen? Okay. Okay, got a pen. Shieldingteam at gmail.com is the email. 
when you get okay. around to it, you email me, and I'm going to send you a couple very interesting things about some of these things that we're talking about. And I, now that we have a new camera, I can take a picture of a couple things, and then I want your opinion on a couple things because you're the first person to come around in a while that I'm sort of messing with. Like, I'll, we're on the same page. Right. It, it, that was the relays you were talking about sparked um, uh, John did a little memory for me. So when I was a little kid, I used to mess around with um, you know, ham radio and citizen band transceivers and um, all kinds of programmable receivers and scanners and um, Tesla coils, spark app transmitters, the whole nine yards, right? And I made this one spark app transmitter that was you know pretty tiny, about the size of a pager, and involved just a regular little you know relay that you put into a vibrational mode. And you add a capacitor to the spark gap to get get its oscillation right, and then you'd run an antenna off of the uh, off the contact, and it just puts out a you know a whole bunch of white noise all over the place. Uh, yes, you my... just said the magic. You just you just said the magic word on this call, spark gap. And yep. in regards to that, I found a company that sells spark gap. Um, big. These are big. Vandergraaff generator size spark gap units. I don't know what they cost, but you know, you can generate like a fifteen thousand kilovolt spark gap, and when oh, you yeah, flip, I used to you're messing around with all that. Yeah. When you flip, one... when 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 you flick your wall switch on and off very rapidly and hold your walkie-talkie up to it, you hear that um, gamma yeah. effect. Right. That, you just, that you just, uh, is uh, that. Yes. Yes. That right there is what and we're even, going for. Yes. So we're you can, you can even take the uh, the triac circuit in a. Um, and a light, you know, the rheostat for your um, for your light switch, you know, the adjustable light switches, the dimmers, and you can alter the triac circuit in there to put out a crap load of noise in the wiring too. <laughs> and even when the triac fails, you can hear the, you know, when the triac fails, if it still actually dims the light, but but it's failing internally because you know the semiconductor junction's failing and breaking down in there, you can hear it on the radio just going all across the AM band. Yes, that's what we're after right there. Right. I understand. I have a question. Uh, this is Deborah again in Virginia. Um, this for either John or Lynn. Uh, it's probably already been asked, uh, but I'm asking it again because I, I just don't know. Is there something I can start uh, consuming or drinking to make myself less conductive? Um, less conductive? Well, um the the problem is you don't want to be less conductive because what that means is that you're depleting yourself of electrolytes. That's that's part of what this uh, being bombarded and targeted by these beams are doing. They deplete your electrolytes, you know, especially calcium, magnesium, and potassium, which leads to cardiac arrhythmia and ultimately heart attacks. That's how these um, weapons cause people to have heart attacks. You know, they pee out all of their electrolytes and have a heart attack. So you don't want to do that. What you want uh, to do is is get uh, this. Supplement is called CalMag. It's calcium magnesium gluconate, um, organically chelated electrolytes. If you take that once a day, it purges all the heavy metals like cadmium and lead and mercury and all that stuff, and it keeps your system up to par electrolytically. That's more recommended. Can you can you spell that to me again? I'm writing that down. CalMag. C A L M A G. Calcium magnesium gluconate. All right. Thank you, Lynn. You're welcome.
All right, I want to I want to unmute some more people. Who did I not get to yet? North, I'm going to go real quick down the list. North Central New York, you're up. Hello. Um, people say that um, I have missing time every day, okay. and I heard that it's from Delta waves. Let's know what else it's from, and is there any way to stop missing time? It's the worst thing in the world. Pardon me, I could I I couldn't make that out. I think he's asking about the ELF type of interference. He he's he's telling you he's having missing time and he thinks they're interfering with his delicate all, all, all the missing time, the missing time thing. Yeah, that's that's a big one for me too. I get that a lot, and it can be attributed to several different things: um, electronically induced amnesia, or even something that I only talk about with close friends. It has to do with our holographic environment. You know, in other words, we live in a simulated world like the Matrix, but uh, I don't even want to go into that here because it's too far out. <laughs> but they call that memory dissolution. You know, the, the you know the short the short uh, the short and sweet uh, label for that is called memory dissolution, and that's electro that can be electronically induced through these uh, weapons. And, right, and I, I think, again, it comes back to the concept of the resistance. And if you are adding resistance to the area that you're being hit with, no matter what it is, it might be harder for them to exert that effect on you. So that's why, you know, we're looking at the strategic places of the components. And when I, I'm, I'm coming back to the relays again, because you have this triangle on your body, and when you right. get that around your body, it's harder for them to get through that. So, I mean, it, it's the work of the future in shielding, I think. Well, that reminds me of something that you might need to look into as far as a piece of equipment goes, and it's really cheap, too. In fact, I wanted to get one, but I can't afford it. It's like probably like 20 bucks to 100 bucks for this device. And it's an electronic acupuncture detection pen. You know, what, what, what they're used in um, you know the acupuncture clinics, so that they can find where exactly to pl place the probes on your body. It, this little, this little you know pen-like device, a little you know display an indicator on it, and a little you know little metal bead at the tip there, like a pen, and you just run it along your body. And wherever these pressure points are, the light lights up. Now, that might be something worth looking into as well as far as maybe those are the best points to place these resistors. What's something like that cost? Anywhere from like 20 bucks to 100 Okay, so we're not we're not talking like a $2,000 piece of equipment? No, with no, the it's, box. no it's, it's, it's relatively cheap. Uh, I had one of those. Uh, you buy it in, you can buy it, I think, maybe CBS or something. It was part of a TENS unit, but it would... Uh, Go along your body, and wherever you needed the stimulation, it would beep for you. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's the idea. In other words, finding the strategic points on the body it would be. That's where I. That's what I would do with it. Find the strategic points. I. Um, I. Last June, I started having missing time, and my friends into lasers and all kinds of health products, not a PI. So I just told me to get this laser put it on my body and acupuncture points and stuff. And they stole my laser, and ever since then I have missing time. I believe that that laser, if I can buy another one, it's about $250. I believe that that laser was stopping me from having missing time. I don't know, but I, it's just something I, I feel. 
Well, this, the missing time thing is a is a is a big um, is a big can of worms even for me because that's that that you know put, that makes me flash back to all these in, instances which I lost count of long ago where that's occurred with me. Yeah, really dramatic stuff. For example, where I would be looking at a clock, yeah. and I I would I would you know go back to sleep, take a little nap, you know, for like a minute or two. And then I look up at the clock again. It's like a minute before the minute. My you know, it's, it's one minute before the time I looked at it from before. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so yeah, I've experienced stuff like that. Little time, I call them time slips. All right, Southeast, Southeast Pennsylvania, you're up next. Hi. Can you hear me? John, it's Karen. Hey, how are you tonight? Good. I just had a question um, about detoxing the nanoparticles that I've heard on a couple of the Facebook sites for detoxing that Gormus and the colloidal gold is good and very, can take a majority of it away, especially for the remote. So if I'm not there, if I'm not showing up at all, that's not good. I have to Did you hear that, John? I have a mixed opinion on the colloidal gold, all right? Here's my opinion on it. I already have enough metals in my body as it is. I don't know if I want to add more, and I don't know <laughs> if I want to do something that I can't take it back because once, once you take the gold, you can't get it out of your system. So, like, I don't... I, I've got mixed reviews on it. If anyone has had success with it, please chime in. Uh, I, I've um, had mixed um, you know, mixed feelings about the colloidal stuff too. I mean, some of the research that I've done involving people that would get behind that fad big time as far as taking colloidal silver, and then liver autopsies were done, or even you know liver biopsies anyway. Liver biopsy was done on these people that were taking this colloidal silver. And the liver was so saturated that you'd see like silver, like a silver sheen to the tissue. You know, now that can't be good. Yeah. And also, it has to do with the size of the uh, the particles uh, itself. There's nano silver, and then there's colloidal silver, nano gold and colloidal gold. One right. will permeate the cell membrane, and the other will not. And have you heard of Ormus? O R M U S. Yeah, Ormus. That's um that's kind of an esoteric material. They call it ormus, otherwise known as monoatomic gold. But mm-hmm. um, I, I still have to do some research into that because, as far as I'm concerned, if it is really monoatomic gold, and then you got this you know this foreign white powdery material, the only way that you can tell if it's truly monoatomic gold instead of something else is put a little bit onto a onto a little tiny spoon or you know, a, little t- a little tiny spatula, and burn it in a fire. And if it burns up like, you know, some kind of organic powder or whatever, then you know it's not, you know, a metal-based um, powder. But if it doesn't burn at all, then you know it's some kind of, you know, salt or even a metal oxide or, or even better yet, monoatomic gold. But uh, that's the uh, practical way to test that, flame test. Right. I know one person that said that, Pretty much all of her remote neural monitoring went away using the ormus and detoxing. 
doesn't help with the oh, electronic kit, but for the remote neural monitoring. Well, uh, I, I still have to do my research. I can't say, you know, right. any pros or cons as far as the monosomic gold thing goes. Okay. I still have yet to try it myself. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Central and Northern A. I don't know if that's Alabama or what, but you're up next. Florida. Coastal California. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. Hey, John. I got, well, I guess if the whole call's up for grabs, first speaker gets the floor. Who wants to go next? Okay, yeah, this is Keith. I was wondering if you could unmute a few people in the chat room. Well, we're at we're 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 looking for questions for the guest tonight. First off, do you have any questions for Glenn while he's here with us? Yeah, I do have a question. I was wondering if uh, I'm getting the tinnitus uh, uh, really really heavy, and I was just wondering if you have any information on what is causing that. If that's been a, if that's an implant or if it's um, you know if everybody is susceptible to that. Well, the tinnitus thing, it, it can have many different um, etiologies, many different causes. I mean, I've, I've had it my entire life. Uh, when I was a little kid, I can remember having it and wondering what that high-pitched whining was that sounded exactly what you'd hear coming out of, uh, you know, television, you know, that uh, 16 kilohertz tone. And it can be caused by nerve damage. It can be caused by uh, ch chemical toxicity like heavy metals or poisoning. It can be caused by, you know, med medications. You know, certain drugs can cause that. Even um, electromagnetic um, bombardment can cause that. You can you can actually cause that by sitting, say, in a, ra in, a, in, a, in a radio tower, in a radio transmitter that's broadcasting at high power, and you'll eventually succumb to, you know, having chills and this feverish feeling uh -huh. and weakness and tinnitus within an hour. Okay, well, one reason why I think that uh, in my case it, it's, it's technological and not any, not any kind of biological or, or uh, health uh, right. is because uh, it started for me after I started a blog talk radio program uh, probably about, about six or eight months ago. And, of course, I was talking about, you know, these very things, organized stalking and and then, of course, uh, you know, I would talk about the secret societies and a number of other things. But it was when I started that program or that broadcast that uh, that I came under attack. And so I kind of just tied the two together that, they, you know, that was their way of, of uh, you know, trying to suppress, you know, suppress me or oppress me, you know, to keep me from talking about these things. Uh, and, of course, you know, from that time, like I said, that was about six or eight months ago, and it gradually it started in one ear, then about two weeks later it was in both ears. You guys talking about tinnitus. Like then it went to, uh, you know, then it was, uh, you know, it, I mean, there for about the first month, it was, there were periods of the day. Oh, okay. There were, there were periods of the day where it was, uh, it was intermittent, and then, uh, you know, up here, you know, in the last couple of months, it's been pretty much 24-7, 
with uh, some nights just extremely uh, loud uh, and just piercing sound. Where I, I and I actually talked to John about this, where I took the two uh, uh, tin cans, uh, empty, you know, just regular uh, pinto beans or chili beans uh, cans, and of course, you know, cleaned them out, make sure there was no bur- burrs around the around the the edge. And then I fashioned, uh, you know, some rubber bands where I could put those up over my ears and wear it, wear them as headphones. And then I put a small AAA battery in the cans, and that would roll around and generate a sound, and that interrupted that 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 ringing. And it was like, uh, you know, it was like coming up for air, because I mean that 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 ringing will wear on your psyche. And I believe oh, I that completely. I believe that that I believe that tinnitus is probably driving as many people, you know, to the point, you know, beyond the point of insanity, you know, to where they, you know, they act out aggressively or either, you know, try to do something to harm themselves or what have you. Uh, and, well, yeah, as much as, as much as anything, because of the psychological wear and tear on the mind. Well, yes, it's like Chinese water torture, you know. And it can be also induced um, ultrasonically as well. I mean, I've always wondered what um, what kind of devices may exist on top of um, you know the power poles on on top of the lights. You know, just regular you know the yellow street lights that are everywhere. I mean, n- there's nothing to stop some organization or faction out there from putting a little you know CCD camera with a Wi-Fi HD you know transmitter on there inside one of those, along with an ultrasonic transmitter disruptor type thing. And I suspect that some of that stuff is in my neighborhood because I'm walking around at night and I could hear what sound, sounds like ping chirps, like an ultrasonic ping chirp, which uh, is exactly the same sound which is used for echolocation for, um, for ultrasonic distance finders and for ultrasonic glass breaking detectors. It sounds like a, like a really high-pitched, like, like, a, like a ground squirrel or something. And um, I believe those sounds are being produced by these kind of devices being you know, put in places like the power, um, the the, um, the lights up up in the city. And those right, and getting back, getting positive. back to the test, getting back to the test equipment. We use those old school line tester inductive amplifiers. It's like a stick, and you push the button, and it inductively amplifies any current around the probe there. If you get that up in the air and out in front of you, you can hear a lot of these tones, all right? So when you oh, focus, yeah, when you focus your shield in hands, you will actually hear a reflection off the shielding material into your inductive amplifier, which means these signals are definitely bouncing off you. If we see the present, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. That's what I use. I use an inductive amplifier like the ones that are used by the phone companies for tracing phone lines. Yes, yes, you know, yes. A little handheld probe, exactly that. And um, if you want to um, look at the waveform of said signals, you can actually take the, um, you know, there's two little posts on top of the inductive amplifier. Those two little posts, you attach them to a uh, oscilloscope probe. You, know, you take, your, take a regular oscilloscope, Tektronix oscilloscope, some cheapy. You know, with a you know BNC jack, you know, two alligator clips on the BNC jack. Stick those alligator clips onto your inductive amplifier, and lo and behold, you have a passive antenna where you can analyze the waveforms in real time of those signals. 
Yeah, it sounds yes. good. Yes. Huh? I, I that's a little practical experiment I I use for diagnosing, you know, motherboards and and compu computer uh, cards and uh, memory cards and stuff. I would use the oscilloscope and the inductive amplifier to see if the microprocessors were actually clocking. So yeah, those things are really useful. Um, I have a question. Um, are, are you finished, Keith? I didn't want to. I want to make sure you're finished for. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all, that's all I had. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm highly conductive during the day. Um, I've noticed uh, if I walk outside, um, and I mean, I, I, um, I get an electrical spark. Like yesterday, I went to hand someone a, um, something, and then I shocked them. So I'm always getting shocked now, um, and and it's mostly during the day. Can you talk a little bit more why? Is that why am I more conductive during the day, and what can I do to um, not be so conductive? Well, the um, the thing about the day and night um, phenomena involving radio waves is um, something a lot of people don't understand as far as the night and day thing goes. You see, at nighttime, there's only one ionosphere. It's the residual from leftover in the daytime. In the daytime, there's an ionosphere, which it, it's a, you know, it blankets the entire Earth that's being hit by the sun. The ultraviolet radiation creates this ionosphere, so it allows radio signals to be uh, more refracted and more uh, what, what, what they call skip. You can actually skip signals from here to you know Louisiana with a five watt CB radio in the daytime, but in nighttime you can't. You know, it's, it's all about the ionosphere. Wow. And so, can they put something like in my vehicle to uh, make me more conductive? I mean, can they bounce? I mean something like through the engine or I've noticed a high reading like on my door. Can they put, well, I mean, how can they do that? Um, right, and our, 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 our down, low, down, and dirty solution for that was to put a crowbar or a tire iron directly under your seat. Okay. And then you know, Dwight is on the right track with his cigarette lighter grounding that, but I, I don't believe you want to ground yourself to it. I think you want to look into a grounding wire that hangs off your car and keeps you grounded at all times off the negative of your battery. So I think he's on the right track with it, but I don't think you want to put it on your body. I think all your grounding should be away from you. And I think you should put the thick iron object directly under your seat and then hang a bungee cord over your steering column and wrap it up and link the bungee cord onto itself and make that rubber loop on your steering column. Could you explain that? Stretch the bungee cord out, wrap it around your steering wheel base where the steering wheel goes down into the dashboard, and then click the two um, bungee cord ends together and make that loop. And also, I was told by the what would a crowbar, would a crowbar was, do under your seat? I was, was also told by an electrical engineer that the figure eight is what they prefer in high voltage because if you make a loop, it can induct on itself, which means the current can jump out of the loop. But if you make a figure eight with it, it keeps the current in the loop. So you know, there's different shapes to this, but with the with the crowbar or the horseshoe, you just want the bent 
thick steel object directly under your feet. Does that make sense? I'll try it. Hello. 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 All right. Hi. Who hasn't had, who hasn't had a chance to speak yet? I'd like to say something. Okay. Well, you know, I've been having a lot of trouble with my car. I um. You know, you're talking about a crowbar under the seat. What if your car is being stopped in traffic automatically? What do you do about that? <laughs> Got an answer? Uh, or are you telling me they're hacking the engine of your car and they get yes. your car stolen? Exactly. Okay, well, that's, that's a different animal than what we're talking about. I know, but, you know, I just, you know, I wonder if you had any answers on that. Right. Well, it, it's, I'll, you know, it comes back to the concept of the jammer. We don't know how effective the six-band jammer is with regards to the vehicle computer. That is something that we want to test out. We well, want to know. Yeah, we want to know. We want to know if the command to shut the car off is coming from above or if it's coming from a tower. Because some of yeah. these GPS boxes, they have two G um, cellular in them. Huh? Could you repeat that one? I'm sorry. Some of these systems have 3G capability in them, so we don't know if it's a GPS or if it is a 3G signal. Okay. Yeah, or we don't even know if it's CDMA or GPS or any of that stuff. Or it could even be terahertz. Right, yes, yes. Well, okay, but I just want to know what can I do. As no, I'm not an electrician or anything like that. What can I do to protect myself from that? You've got to go back to a horse and buggy. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. I think I like that. Because Actually, really, really we're, what we're talking about here is the ability to hack anybody's car at will if it's made past, like, 1995. Mm-hmm. So I guess they have no ECM. No ECM is what you need. A car with, point, like, a point ignition system, like, you know, one of those old El Caminos from the 70s, that's yeah. pretty much how you can get around that. Yeah, it has to have, you know, no digital electronics in it at all. No, nothing digital. Well, you know, I mean, is this a common uh, an a common type of attack, or is this something that is pretty common? Getting more and more common every day. Oh, is it? Hmm, interesting. Okay, well, I was just wondering what, you know, what you might have any kind of interesting you know, remarks in that regard, and I appreciate it so much for your answers. Thank you. Hi, this is Melinda. How's Melinda tonight? Melinda's fine. I'm on a speaker because Lena has the only extension. But my car has been stalling, too, and I just had a lot of work done on it that, uh, that my perps have uh, really ruined a lot of things. It's been very costly. But it does stall. It's a, it's a Mercedes. I bought it brand new. It's a 1988, but still it's full of computers and stuff. It's it's very tricky. I don't want to take long drives. It's scary, you know. Why? What is it doing? Stall. It it feels like all. It, it feels like an electrical failure. I mean, it just stops in traffic. Uh, well, what I do is I put on the flasher immediately, 
And if I'm coming to a stop sign, I stop and then put it in neutral or park. Get it going again. And it will start it for me. It's so pleasant. Well, uh, I know I did. I did ask the policeman about what might be a good answer for something like this. You might have to change the air filter and the fuel filter. You might want to try that. Uh, just in okay. case it's just something they you know, just that... the battery, you know, and um, uh, so they probably have a fix on the battery. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it could be that, but then again, it could be you know the air filter or the fuel filter. Have those changed, which is not too expensive. Okay, and, you thank know, you. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to do that because my car. But um, you know, it's worth just taking those little precautions. But I would yeah, be wary. Another another thing I've heard is you can put a big piece of tile over your battery to prevent it from oh. being hit. So to try that. Wow. Okay. You mean like ceramic tile? Yeah, like a big piece you can buy at like Home Depot or something like that. Okay. How do you attach it? You just lay it on there. That's all. It's heavy enough where it won't move. Okay. I've heard that. You know. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm not promising any results, but you can try it. You know. Oh, I, I know we have to try everything. Right. Great. You might want to you might want to try some duct tape to maybe tape you know see yeah. if you can. Yeah, yeah, he's right. Something like that. Just there, there, there it is, man. The duct tape engineers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that helps a lot. Thank, thank, thank goodness for duct tape and coat hangers. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right, California, you're unmuted. Hi, I have a question about the ionosphere that you mentioned. You were saying there was a difference between day and night because um, I've noticed in California it's been getting up to about 80 degrees and there's um, winds from, I live in a coastal area and there's wind coming from inland and there's two things that I've noticed. Number one, it's breezy and hot, and there's a white film inside the house all over everything. And um, I notice when that comes that during the day I have a major energy drain, and then I start to wake up at night and become more energized at night. So I was wondering, um, it seems like when the sun goes down, it makes a big difference in energy levels. So do you think that has anything to do with what you were talking about um, with regard to the ionosphere? Definitely, for sure, 100%. Because, I mean, I, I'm more of a night owl than I ever was, and I think I can mm. attribute it to that. <laughs> so, yes, that's definitely there's definitely a strong relation there. Okay. Um, I'm having a problem. I'm sure most of the TIs have the same kind of thing. But it's with productivity. Um, I can't get anything right. done. Yeah, I have the same thing. To- totally scatterbrained, and and I'll, I have you know my desk in my room with you know stuff on it. It's been collecting dust because I'm just you know lack of motivation, lack of energy, and it's, it's not like I'm you know lazy or anything. It's just no. like blah, you know, like it's just like a blah feeling or like a mental block, like fog. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it is a I, mental I get that fog. a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm looking for I'm looking for solutions because nothing is working, and I don't want this year uh, to go the way last year went, which was a big zero, <laughs> absolutely nothing, um, but just enduring the suffering. And I have um, an attic that is loaded with um, new equipment, new cables, new wiring, new junction boxes, and I went up there and just looked at it a couple days ago, and it's um, completely rewired from what it was maybe six months ago. And um, the obviously the house is really full of frequencies. It's from floor to ceiling and from one end of the house to the other. But I have noticed that, um, like today, for example, I was good for so many hours, and then after that, it was hot and sunny and dusty, very dusty. So is the dust a part of it, these white particles that are everywhere and really, really thick? Yes. Well, I was that's one way to test for that. A lot, of us, a lot of us use the ultraviolet flashlights. You can get that under like five oh, okay. bucks. Okay. And then when you see that is a very thick problem, it'll come up on that open water. We'll wash it off. But if it comes okay. back, then you're going to have to look for it again. Okay. And for your attic, I would be going up there and throwing some horseshoes and crowbars up there. Thick iron objects, anything that will alter the magnetic field directly beneath wherever you're sitting. Like for when you focus your shielding up there, uh-huh. try, and focus it, try and focus it right on top of where you dwell in the room. Right. Where you sit, zero, zero, zero on your personal magnetic three-axis plane there. X, Y, Z, zero, zero, zero is right where you sit. Okay, so you're saying, now I have sheet metal, John. I have um, sheet metal, like about four panels left, left over. So should I just go up in the attic and put them on the rafters, or not on the rafters, but on the, um, with the ceiling and just lay them out wherever I sleep? In the on the in the attic side, as a floor. Yeah, go go experiment. But like I said, right. focus it focus it right above where you're sitting. Okay. And then All look right. into getting one into getting one of those creepy iron stars that a lot of the perps have painted on their house and hang that outside as a decoration. Then throw a couple railroad spikes down your lawn. Get some radio rubber tires and put them out and hang up a birdhouse or wind chimes or something directly in front of your door and make sure that these are ferrous items. Okay. Wait a minute. Um, Iron stars, radio stars, and what else? Iron stars, crowbars? Right, the, the idea here is any thick steel iron type object. Iron type object, okay. The, okay. The thicker the better. Okay, and John, where do you put the horseshoe? Are you talking about horseshoe magnets or horseshoes? Horseshoes, any any steel or iron object that okay. is as thick as you can get it. Like some, you can get plate steel if you can get them. Put that up in the attic directly over where you sit. Okay. 
Okay. He heavy auto parts, too, like disc brakes, brake drums, uh, axles, okay. any anything anything like that. If you know somebody that's got old cars, works on their own cars and stuff like that, you can probably get some good iron and metal from them. So you just scatter it around the attic and it'll break up the field? I've got Oh, my gosh. Is that why they clean the attic out? The attic is so clean. It's unbelievable. No bugs, no webs, no um, spiders, no wasps. I've never seen the attic look like this. So is it going to resonate more if it's clear up there like it is, cleaned out and actually bare? Is that the idea? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the expert on the on. Yeah, I'm not the expert on that. John's the expert right, on that. That's, that's a good idea, and we would be here all night if I had to explain this. But it's on shielding.blog.com. I have a couple examples there of what we've used in the past. Okay. All and right. Just go, just go and do, go and do it, and see if you get any results, and see what the perps do in reaction to that. They may try okay. and break into. They may try and break into your house in response. Oh, they're doing that with... continually. This is ongoing. This has been ongoing for four or five months now. They've been breaking in for a long time, but now they're just using their... My house is their house. So this is just every day something's new. And I haven't been very successful with that at all. We got one more in the chat there. If you get a chance to unmute in the in the chat room, if you don't mind. Something else that I heard too, and I actually heard uh, a person talking about this. That wasn't. Uh, uh, he he doesn't claim to be a TI, but I'm kind of thinking that he gets. He's getting the dream manipulations, and I, I ran into this guy on Pal Talk, but um, he put um, chain link chain link fence in his attic. So, uh, you know, if you've got some old chain link, right. if a magnet, if a magnet sticks to it, you want it, and and you want it as thick as you can get it. If, if you can fit a roll that up there, go for it. I mean, but a lot of people, you know, you only get that little crawl space thing to get into the attic there. So, yes, chain link fence would work very well, and it would work even better if it was rolled up. So if you can't do that, you can even go with a thicker gauge chicken wire will work, but you have to roll that up and stick it up there as like a, um, roll up like a cylinder. All right, for anybody that has not had a chance to talk yet, we've got Len on the phone. He's a scientist and is working on these technologies. We've got some regulars on here. If you want to join the discussion, star eight on your telephone line. All right, Georgia, you're up. Georgia, I'm not going to leave you unmuted if you don't talk.
about Kansas? Did you talk yet? Now Central Florida? Hello? Yes, I, um, does, um, does diet fuel the nanoparticles, um, carbohydrates fuel the nanos? No, they're, those, um, those nanos are fueled by muscle movement, by body motion. The actual flexure of the body itself and the flexure of your tissues and these nanofibers being flexed in the tissues is what powers them. You see they're piezoelectric, which means they convert pressure into direct electricity. And that's how they work on a microscopic level. These fibers, they get flexed, and that flexure actually causes an electric charge to be built up and produced. And they, then it's thusly harnessed that way. I I wouldn't mind hearing more about the um what you did um mention earlier the um uh, aliens and how they they're involved. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's that's a subject that causes most people to, you know, tur- turn their heads because of uh, you know, religious differences and whatnot. But as far as my world view goes, the way I see it is this planet here is a prison planet like a zoo and there, as far as all the research I've done and, you know, from word of mouth and, you know, confirmation from my own experiences and stuff like that, there's, you know, several races at work here, and they look human. You know, they look exactly like anybody else. You were to walk past them on the street, you wouldn't know it. Just some other person, but they're not from around here, stuff like that. But, you know, talk about talking about such things is uh, kind of touchy. <laughs> Well, I can I can I can chime in here with one I can chime in here with one observation. Well, I've I've had um, several experiences that uh, more they're more appropriate for uh, like the Art Bell show or something like that, you know. Well, I mean, but, I, I will go I will I will go so far as to say that those that have been altered or messed with or have had things done to them, they definitely have a different feel to them. They definitely well, yes, do not feel they do not feel like normal human beings. I can tell you that whether they are aliens or they have been modified or something's wrong with them otherwise, you can definitely tell from what they feel like because you can definitely feel that something ain't right with this one over here or that one over there. And you can tend to, you know, pick up on who is who. That's a human instinct. Um, yes. Well, one of the things that um, that one of my abilities that um, I only, you know, talk about it with friends and stuff, but um, one of the abilities that I have is remote viewing of technology. I've always been into that. And in other words, it, you know, I've been in repair, the electronic repair, and electronic, uh, you know, engineering my whole life. So. It's just what I do. But I, for some reason, can get a better feel for it and get a better grasp of what I, you know, what's on my plate if I actually hold it 
and just, you know, sit there in silence for like 30 seconds and just hold it. It's like for some reason something clicks in my head that doesn't click if I don't hold it. You know what I mean? Something, something like that that uh, I don't really talk about it much because most people don't believe that kind of thing. I have a question about chemicals. <clears throat> okay. Um, I've been being bombarded in my car and neighbors sending stuff through the air. And I'm just wondering, I have my thoughts about what a lot of it is, um, and I can't prove any of it, but I'm just curious if you have any ideas why uh, sometimes it's worse than others bombarding my, bombarding me with chemicals. Well, that was, yeah, that, that reminds me. I wanted to ask, you know, ask this question. Um, have you ever experienced something that feels like um, like a spider web or like a piece of you know spider silk thread all of a sudden manifesting on your skin, like your arm or, or your face or whatever, and then being pulled? All of a sudden, you can even hear it click. No. Oh well, I get those, and other yes, people I, I, I call those. that. I call that. I call that the creepy crawlies. Yeah, you know what that you know what that is. Yes. Well, I don't know what it is, but I've felt that before. And yeah, go ahead. It, it feels go like ahead. it feels like you know, it feels like a spider web. Just you know, all of a sudden you run into a spider web, and how that how that feels getting pulled from your skin. It feels like that, but it's just all of a sudden you need to just be sitting there, and boom, it happens. But what that is are these nanobots, these nano crystalline um, pieces of uh, crystals that are part of the chemtrail spraying. And these crystals, they are heat-activated and body, uh, uh, body moisture. They're moisture-activated, okay, and they're, they're raining down in the air. Here, and there are these little crystals. You can catch them if you take um, a piece of, um, what do you call it, um, scotch tape. You take, you know, six feet of scotch tape or whatever, like flypaper, you know, and hang it on the ceiling and, you know, just let it sit there for like a week. And these little buggers will sit there and collect on the adhesive, and you can look at these under the microscope, and they look like little tiny, you know, little crystals and, you know, colorful Rubik's Cubes and stuff, little hexagonal crystals. But these crystals, when they fall onto your skin, they immediately unfold into these um, amyloid fibers. It's like a bundle of fibers that automatically, uh, they, they activate. As soon as they hit your skin, they activate, and they go right into your, into your skin. They're nanotechnological devices. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, if uh, I'm living in a house where I'm getting that, aren't the other people getting it also? Everybody. Hello? Hello? Yeah, that's a generalized question. I would like to ask a question. Um, I'm sorry. Is there someone else asking a question now? I just asked if uh, I'm living in a house where I'm getting uh, things happening to Right. The chemical debate is going to rage on like every other debate. I believe they do focus specific chemical attacks on people when they want to generate a specific result. They will knock you out. They will enhance your mood. They can really do some bizarre things to you with some of these, but... I don't. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about the whole drop on the place, like this next 
generation of nanobots everywhere, which is in the 2025 document. So I think we're on the same page, but the this, this subject is a little different. Like, I know what she's asking, and I think she wants to know about the more direct hit type of chemical attacks where they'll walk right up to your damn window and squirt at your window. So I've seen that. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen, I've, I have um, buddies of mine who were um, attacked that way directly by people in hazmat suits, you know, coming into their house and spraying their whole house with pepper spray and bug spray and stuff, like, you know, stuff like that. And other people I talked to on Facebook have had similar instances all, all over around the world. They call it spraying. Oh, my gosh. All right, Oregon, Oregon, you're going to be up next in a minute. Who is that other lady that asked that question just now? Hi, uh, California. I have a question about the crystals because uh, that was a big question mark for me. I just found um, hundreds of those in the garage again. And someone put them in there last summer, and now they're back. And I have a lot of those in the garage. I don't... I'm assuming that, you know, they're doing this during while they're breaking in. But what do I do with these things? And um, obviously they're evidence, I would suppose. Isn't that right? Hello? I don't think in a handheld shark vacuum cleaner with one of those removable coffee filter type filters uh-huh. and vacuum up as much of it as you can and maybe set it aside because... You know, a lot of these newer vacuum cleaners, they don't give you that kind of filter. But you can take a coffee filter in one of them shark vacuum cleaners, and you can vacuum that material up and maybe set it aside. All right, listen, right. Oregon, Oregon, you're unmuted. Do you have a question? Yes. I have a perfect quarter-inch square on the side of my cheek. Actually, I have two of them. I have one right in the center of my forehead, uh, just uh, about a quarter inch above my eyebrows. I have one hidden in my right, um, in my right eyebrow underneath the hairs, and the uh, on my left cheek, where I have the two trying uh, two. Um, dark perfect squares that showed up as discolorations there has appeared a triangle the triangle goes from the top square at the point an isosceles triangle and the bottom portion of the triangle goes right through the middle of the bottom and the way that this is shown up is that I sleep with a magnetic sheet like you would print a um, something to a picture to put on your refrigerator on an eight by eleven magnetic sheet you get at an office supply store, and I sleep with that against my face every night and have been for about six months. And over time, this has shown up. I also um, sleep with a, a mask that you would wear, like if you were traveling, to keep the uh, light out at night and there's a little pocket in it that I could put a magnet and so I've had a magnet over my eyebrow area and a magnet over um, the center of my forehead and so these discolorations have shown up and so I think there's a magnetic component to this and 
there's something in my skin. What is it? Hey, John, could I, uh, could I ask you to uh, unblock a couple more chatters there in the chat room when you get a chance, please? John, not, right, not, not right now, Keith. What, what John, do you, still have, do you still the, have this guest, the component makeup, The component makeup of the nanofibers is Ferris. This is not a nanofiber. This is a solid color. It's a right, solid you, little piece of something. This is why I'm telling you, if a magnet sticks to it through the ceiling, you want it. It would okay, not this have is, a magnet. This is in, this is in my face. Okay. This is, on, this is on my face. A magnet that does is, not that. stick to it. But let me tell you, John, listen for just a moment. The, um, I can take a magnet and I can pulse it. I can tap it on that, that area where the triangle has shown up and the, um, the sound in my ear diminishes. Uh, uh, can you repeat that one more time? The triangle on my left face, my left cheek, if I tap a magnet on it, the sound diminishes. If I feel, if I feel uh, electrified at all, that will go away. By me tapping a magnet on that, I'm saying implant in my cheek. So there was, remember uh, John, not John Hall, um, Duncan was on the last Saturday night's call, and he, and he said, well, maybe it was him. Or, no, I think it was uh, John Hall. He said in his last interview with um, on Coast to Coast that um, that they are tattooing people, and that you would never know that that was on your skin. Well, this is showing up on my skin. It doesn't look like a tattoo. It looks like something has been slipped under the skin. And you would never know it was there until this discoloration started to show up. And um, when it started, when I, I started getting discoloration like you, like old people get, and when it started to get an edge on it, I went, oh my gosh, look, it's got a straight edge. It showed up over time. And so then I showed, I, I put an ultraviolet light on it and I could see it. And I looked on the rest of my on the rest of my face, and I saw the others. Okay, well that that sounds like um, my lab marking. You know what my lab is? No. Military abductions. Look it up. Oh fuck! <laughs> That's not helpful. I tell know. me, tell me what is on uh, my skin. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a marker. It's a it's a brand, and. Um, See, my, my labs are the um, most unfortunate TIs. You see, the, the, there's you know targeted individuals, and then there's the uh, you know the ones at the very uh, hilt of the ones being targeted. Those are the my labs, and that's what I think your case is. Do you have Rh negative blood? No. What is your blood type? Like, is it O? B. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't it, doesn't, it makes no difference. My father was yeah, in the my father had patents yeah. with NASA. It all has to do with that. Oh, I understand too. My whole family is involved in military, so yeah, I've been 
targeted as well in that same regard. I don't even like okay. you know, thinking about it because it's uh, it just gives me chills. But yeah, you got to you know everybody out there has got to look into this MyLab thing because that's a, another. Well, I need to know: is puzzle. it laying on? Is it laying on my skin? Was it painted on my skin? Is it tattooed into my skin? Is there something inside my skin that I could slit and take out? What yeah. is it? It's it, 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 it's um it's probably some kind of organometallic um, bio implant. So is it, is it a solid piece of something that could be taken out? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's either solid or it's like um, you know, like gelatinous. Okay, so either way, either um, way it's a foreign mass. It's a foreign mass that needs to be removed. No, you know, no matter how you look at it, it needs to be removed. Okay, well, how do I detect it? How can I prove to a dermatologist that there is something under there? Um, right, you check it with check it with, with an acupuncture pen. Yes, that that or the inductive amplifier because if she's yeah. reflecting if she's reflecting anything off of that material, then it will come through the inductive amplifier, which is what yeah. we did with the you know, the case with the shielding where we managed to yeah. duplicate the tone coming in the window that was bouncing off the shielding. So I guess that would be yeah, one way to RFID. Yes, it's just like RFID. Yes. It, it gets it gets uh, bombarded by a uh, carrier signal, and then it outputs a a, a ring back. That's uh, how those devices work. But uh, you can detect it and see if it's actually uh, you know benign or or whatnot with those acupuncture pens. If well, the acupuncture I can, pen lights I can, up, I can feel it vibrating when the frequencies hit it. So I know that. And yes, John, the um, the small. Uh, resistors do work. That's the very first thing I tried about four years ago. I would take those resistors of all different kinds and I would make a little loop. I embed them in one of those uh, little gel um, earplugs and put it in your ear. Take take, uh, Sculpey clay or take the gel earplugs and make a kind of a rope coil and embed those in that and wrap the back of your ear with it. That helps. You can take those and I just leave them all hooked together. So I have a whole bunch of them hooked together and put them in a hat. Um, I've taken those and I've linked them together to make a necklace. You can do all sorts of things with these. They're fabulous. That's the very first thing I used. Um, Okay, so you're saying that this special electro something or other pin, I wrote it down from the house. Um, now that doesn't um, output any electricity, does it? No, no, it just, um, it, it, uh, it senses the uh, electrical potential difference of your skin versus your nerve. Okay, so I could place that on a place where these squares are not, and it won't show anything. And if I place it on the square, it should show up. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the theory anyway. But it, it does show up where your nerve points are. You know, where, where where nerve points are on your on your entire body, like you know your forehead, and the tip of your nose, and the tip of your fingers, for instance. It'll light up there too because that's what it's for. Well, since it has shown up because of the magnet sheets that I sleep on. Wouldn't it have some type of magnetic component? 
Oh, oh, definitely. It's uh, it's um, those kind of implants. They're they're made of a material called they're they're called organometallic ligand biomaterials. They're a combination of um, organic enzymes, nucleic acids, and metals. Organic enzymes, nucleic acids, and metals. Okay, um, so I remember before all this started, going to the dentist, and I was there for three hours. The appointment was for one. And I kept on saying, gosh, that was the longest appointment. What's going on? Um, And I did notice later that there was a little tiny scar above my eyebrow. And I thought, what is that? And so I know that's what they did is they slipped it in like that. So will this... How thick will this stuff be? I mean, would a would a um, 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 a plastic surgeon be able to take this out? Well, yes, um, it, but the problem is when you go to these people, you can't say, "Hey, I've been implanted with with blah blah blah." Don't go there with these people. Just go in there and say it's hurting. You have you have to use you have to use. Uh, it's painful to me. You have to, you know, pain is the operative word here when you when you want to have it removed. You go in there and say, "Hey, this is bothering me. It's upsetting me. It's it's hurting. It's painful. Get it out, please." You know, just you know, just, you know, play the pain card the whole nine yards. Because and so, what should the, the pain gonna, feel like? What's the pain feel like? Well, like sharp, say you know, sharp pain, burning pain, throbbing pain. Just you know, just be vague, but you know, on point. Because you know, there have been cases out there where people would go into the uh, doctor's office and say, hey, I've been implanted with blah, 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 or, you know, there's a foreign object in here, you know, this, that, and the other, and and they'd iterate this, uh, you know, spiel about it, and the doctor would help them out, right? You know, all in good faith, right? And next thing the doctor knows, the NSA comes into their office and starts taking all their placards off of their wall and says, hey, you got to stop what you're doing here, otherwise we're going to rip your license, dude. So you have to keep that off the record. And um, there was this one doctor, Dr. Roger Lear. He operated out of uh, Thousand Oaks, California here. Yeah, he died. And he, yeah, he, he was targeted. Well, he died. So that doesn't yeah, help. He was tar- he was, this doctor yeah, manager well, uh, has has no qualifications. That's a big bunch of nonsense. If you look her up, she has zero qualifications. Nothing she does is ever going to stand up in court. So I think that people are wasting their money. We need doctors that will help us. How are we going to do this? You know, you have to go in there and just complain of it. It's in pain, you know, just, just you know, play the pain card the whole way. That's that's the uh, most practical approach I can think of. Yeah. Um, so are you saying that these are gelatinous or would they be like small pieces of plastic? Would well, they, they show up on a, Would they show up on an x-ray? I, I have no, heard this, this stuff does not show up on x-rays. I've heard it described as the same. I've heard it described as the same kind of material they put in the currency. Oh. You know the magnetic strips they put in the twenty-dollar bills and the hundred-dollar bills. There's that magnetic strip in there. I've, yeah. I've heard. I've heard it described as something like that type of material. All right. Well, I've, if I go to a doctor and I say, I'll say, do you see this? What is this? 
why is this all, why do I have a square? Why do I have a triangle in my face? Then, you know, I, I, I would like to request an x-ray or, or ask them, I mean, you're saying the x-ray won't show up. How about, is there any other kind of, like an ultrasound, an ultrasound show up, show it? Well, I guess that brings us to the next generation of equipment that we need to acquire. I mean, nobody, we are not medical doctors here. We are not diagnosing an illness. But, I mean, if someone could get some surplus test equipment, we could do our own EEGs and whatnot with our own equipment to see what tests we can do to match up against the establishment where they tell us there's nothing wrong with us. Well, they have portable EEG machines that you can buy. Apparently, they're pretty cheap, and you can do your own. You know, you can have a running one. I was just trying to figure out what would, what could I do my own little testing for, and I can show up at the doctor's office and say, look, I put this on this over, you know, a month's time, and this is what happens. What is this? You know, go in there with some scientific evidence. Well, we'll okay. work on that. Okay, tell me once more. What is the name of this stuff so I can write it down when I get in the house? Organo phosphate. Organometallic. Look up okay. organometallics and organometallic okay. ligand. L I G A N D. A N D. It's already being applied in research as far as not implants goes, but technology. There are um, several um, groups of researchers out there working on what what they call living cells made of metal or or, or living nanometal droplets. In other words, it's a combination of nucleic acids, polymers, enzymes, and all kinds of other you know, biomaterial in combination with metals bonded at the molecular level to become a, um, like the, you know, the Terminator 1000 in the movie, you know, a, a metallic being capable of shape-shifting. That's the ultimate goal of this. Okay, so L-I-G-A-N-D. Yeah, it starts getting to real, some really deep, um, you know, <laughs> postgraduate college level type of uh, or, organic chemistry, but... Uh, the information well, in can, there has, has far as what's about. I can understand all that. I can read it and grasp it. I just need to know what it's organo. Oh, I'm sorry. Tell me again. Organic what now? Organometallic. Organometallic. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, all right, what do we got here? I guess Central Coastal California. You're up next. Um, I forgot my question now. Um, if I think of it, I'll raise my hand later. I know there's a lot. We we are covering a very broad range of things tonight. If you want to join the discussion, star eight on your telephone line.
Go ahead, East Virginia. You're up next. That man who's talking says chemicals. Well, I'm talking to you and you're saying, I think it's a different kind of chemical. Are you talking about chemicals such as phenols, acetone, paint thinners, um, kerosene gas, that sort of chemical. What are you talking about when you say chemicals and you're talking to that lady? Who's that man? You made a little bit of a different tangent there. What what the woman was asking about was the direct chemical attacks. And what he was talking about was something a little different. So I think she went off base a little bit there. But we we do know that the chemical attacks happen. But we're trying to identify this crystalline substance that doesn't belong there. And, you know, we see all over it's on dashboards. It gets on your wall, gets in your bathroom. This crap will settle on the keyboard keys of your computer, and you will touch it. And, you know, it'll get on your door handle knobs, and you've seen this. Now, I want things on my door handle knobs, but I'll come home, and I know the woman next door comes in here and sprays, and everything feels like it's not really like sand, but it's... uh, uh, well, it's sort of like saying it's like it's all over everything. So she sprays the house, which she does. If I were to come home quicker, then it will be look like a cloud in the house. But everything on the countertops and everything feels like gravelly stuff, like sort of like saying what kind of chemical is she spraying that would leave a residue such as that. See, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know what she sprays. Otherwise, she sprays acetone and paint thinners. Uh, right, the latest thing is phenol, which is deadly, and so I won't be here very long. Unless I keep windows and doors open and that stuff when it's 15 degrees. But she is absolutely a fanatic on getting this done, and she sprays it every hour. She'll run it through the walls, and she'll spray the front door. She has a big power hose out front lying across the yard, and it's always been there. And she attaches a bottle to it and then sprays the windows and the doors outside and the walls and sprays the upstairs bedroom windows. And then she'll soak up the patio in a glass sliding door so I can't open the door. So she is resolute in her determination to have it as strong as she can, and she'll spray all night long, she'll spread a little teeny bit, and it comes through the walls and it comes through the ductwork. And she, by spraying a little teeny bit, and everybody needs to know this, you spray a small amount, you don't smell it as much. In fact, most of the time, you don't smell anything. And some of them you smell, some you don't. Phenol, you don't smell, but it's a gas, so you know it's there in the air. It makes your eyes very... Uh, tough to look at a a light bulb. It really gives you light sensitivity in your eyes. And if you do this a little teeny bit every 30 minutes, that keeps it active. It doesn't allow it to die down. So that's her goal. And then she'll do it when it's extremely cold because you have to keep your windows and doors shut. Or if you do open them, you're freezing. And... I've looked up the results in that book, that medical chemical book I've told everyone about, Handbook of Poisoning, and it 
it's all in that, and I'm sure it's online too. But go to the book online, Handbook of Poisoning, and look it up. It's a medical book. That gives you treatments and how to air it out. It says um, drink a lot of milk. Use diapan if you need it for uh, calmness, but you can use any kind of calming medicine, such as a Valium or anything like that. You want is a tranquilizer. But if you don't get to this stage of convulsions, you don't need that. You need to drink milk and you need to drink water and a glass full every 15 minutes. You get definitely outside in the air. But it's dangerous and a lot of people are talking about it. Well, what this gravelly stuff is that ends up on the countertops and everything is sprayed in the house. I don't think that comes from bear, from chemtrails. I don't know if chemtrails come inside that much, do they? It's everywhere. It, it, it permeates the air. Whatever gets sprayed into the air, it's everywhere. Same thing with the GMOs. Everybody's up in arm about the GMOs, but the truth of the matter is, if there's just one wheat field, for instance, that's GMO'd, and other wheat fields next to it, they're non-GMO'd, guess what happens when the bees pollinate? That's true. It's, it's already done. It's already done. Yeah. It blows through the yeah. air. The same thing, too, with chemicals. When they spray it, the crop dusters, they say, okay, or just this field, but the field next to it gets the same thing because the wind blows it over. Right. You know, they they don't grow things in a bubble. So, no. you know, people no, are people got... they think they can get around it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they've been doing that for years. And it's difficult yeah. to know. When you buy organic food, you just hope and pray it's been somewhere far enough away from a crop duster. Well, if, if you want to get, dig really deep into the genetic modification, humans are GMO'd. <laughs> well, sure. Since uh, time's long past. Coast of Coast did a whole program on that one night. It was about February 4 or 5 or 6, if you're interested in listening to it. They did a whole program on GMOs. And that was mostly on the food and what is in them and how it gets there and how it affects you. So it was a good program. But I need to know, the only antidote I find was a chemist who worked with me a couple of years ago, and she said the best antidote is white distilled vinegar. It doesn't stain things, but you sort of spray it on. I laid, away, I laid around plastic bags and sprayed it on top of that. I open the windows when I have to. I open, I run fans to exit out when I must set up a big door fan and blow it into her door. <laughs> That's a kick. And she has no conscience about doing it. None whatever. She's a psychopath. They really are dreadful people. And um, years ago, this neighbor of mine told me, said, don't, my lawyer told me, said, don't you ever go to court. Listen to this. The lawyer I had was a wonderful guy. retired and left. But he knew what was going on. And he said, don't you ever go in this courtroom and tell them they're spraying you with chemicals. If you do, they'll put you in a mental ward. He said, they'll put you in a wacky bin. Exactly. The pharmaceutical industries are making billions doing that. Oh, yeah, I know it. And, I mean, and I would go to court and there would be a social worker standing there beside the judge's desk. And one day I said, Phil, who's that girl? She was greasy, nasty looking. She was a nasty social worker in the city. And he said, she's a social worker. I said, what you here for? Yeah, they're all he bought said, and paid for. They're all bought said, and paid for. wait a minute. They're all about what? They're all bought and paid for. 
those those folks. The judges, okay. social workers, well, smart, you know, they're all they're all bought and paid for. You know, the smart. Well, I know that, but let me tell you what's happening so people will know. People need to know that you do not go to court and tell them about the chemicals unless you prove what you're talking about. Because as Phil said, you walk in this courtroom and tell that judge that you're being sprayed with chemicals, that social worker's going to say you're delusional and they'll put you in a mental ward. So that was the scam. So I yeah, never mentioned them. And all the women, let me finish, please. In all those 10 years, I never said anything about it in court. And then I remember Joe, my friend, was a neighbor and a bail bondsman. It said there was also a government agent. And he one time went to court with me. He said, don't you ever go downtown Norfolk, Virginia, by yourself. He said, you won't come home by yourself. And he went to court with me one time and sat there all day long. Some petty little thing was going on. But the chemical business they have been doing to me for 20 years, and they know it, and they did it deliberately. And they have been, they do it to everybody, but people need to know that you've got to be very careful. Don't talk about it at certain places and certain times. If this psychopath next door gets her social worker friends to come over and hang around. Yes, they, they're they're actually looking around for people that that talk like that. They're 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 scouts yeah. for that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, also, um, they'll come leave a card on the door. They'll come leave a card on the door, but they always come when I'm not home. And then they'll say, and I'll call and call and call back, and they'll never talk to me because it's a scam and a setup. Then they fake the files on you anyway. Yes, there's there's a huge scam going on. Um, you know, similar, you know, chemical involved in my town. It occurred back in 1957, and it was the worst nuclear accident in U.S. history. See, everybody thinks it was Three Where? Mile Island. B.S. Where? It's not Three Mile Island. Simi Valley, California, Atomics International. It is. It was. It was first called Atomics International, and then it was called Rocketdyne, and now it's owned by Boeing. Okay. It's in the Santa Monica, Santa Monica Mountains, in, um, in between uh, Thousand Oaks and uh, Simi Valley, and it's right, right there on the hill. I could look at the building in my backyard. I could look out my backyard window and look at the building. Okay, that's how close it is. And it was a nuclear reactor breach that occurred in 1957, and it scattered strontium 90, iodine 131, krypton 86, all over hell, all over here. And the National Weather Bureau's records, as far as what direction the wind was blowing, two weeks after the fact. Scrubbed, mm-hmm. completely non-existent. To this day, to this day, there's fallout all over the hills still, and the thyroid cancer are off the chart. The thyroid cancer rates in the neighborhoods around there are off the charts. Well, I believe all that. I lived in San Diego. I know all that area. I know what you're talking about. But people have never realized that they won't face facts that chemicals are as dreadful as they are. I was in a group. I formed my own group and then joined with MCAMP in 1987 when the exterminator was paid to leave big holes open in my house. It all came up and poisoned me. But I joined a group called MCAMP, National Coalition Against the Misuse of Pesticides, and it was formed by Shabaya, who's the Mexican farm worker out there where you are. Remember him, don't you? He was the man. The Mex- no, no, the Mex- no. He was a Mexican man that formed that national group because farm workers were being poisoned and killed with 
crop dusters while they were in the fields working. So there is a law now that they cannot spray while any of them are there working. Because recently the crop duster went by a couple, six months ago, and they sprayed this man with us there screaming and screaming at him. And there were 124 workers they took to the hospital, and two of them died. So he had a group that we had a national convention every year in Washington, D.C., and everybody came from all over the country in every kind of pesticide and chemical poisoning there was. And on Mondays, we'd go over to the Capitol building and talk to all the senators and representatives. We got absolutely nowhere, nowhere. One thing I'll tell you, I testified before a subcommittee meeting on against True Green and Kimron. They have 2,4-D in them. Roundup is reeking with 2,4-D, which was one-half Agent Orange, and they won't outlaw it. Yeah, that, that's, um, that was all Monsanto and Dow Chemical. That's how my dad died, Agent Orange. All right, listen up. I, I want to get, get, get as many people in that want to talk as would like to on this because we still have like 40 people on the phone. If you have any questions, star eight on your telephone line. Texas? Thank you, John. Yes, uh, Elaine in Texas again. Earlier you guys were talking about the little crystal. Right. right. I see glitter nearly everywhere. Oh, I see these little tiny days. They're so tiny. They're about, um, maybe like a grain of sand. You know, you ever seen sand? It gives off a little shine. Yeah, they're really tiny. They're really tiny. You have to use a microscope to see them. They put the microscope to at least, you know, 50 to 100 times before you can really make them out. And they look like, um, you know, little green and little brown and little golden hexagons. Well, this is not, no, that may not be the same thing. Because I can see this with my, um, you know, my own vision. Just if I turn at a certain angle, I may see it. It's real tiny, like maybe a grain of sand or something. And it's, it's silver. They always are silver. Does it look like glitter, like sparkles? Mm-hmm. Yep. It could, it could be those crystals because they, you know, they're, they're little, little tiny crystals, and they have facets on them. I've never, well, I picked one up. Um, well, I picked, tried to pick several up with just clear tape. They're so tiny, I mean, I couldn't really, you know, see them much once I picked them up because when I pick it up on the tape, it's also picking up whatever the little object is on. Say, for example, if I have it on my sheet, my bed sheet, and yeah. I use tape. Yeah, you can't touch them. Fibers, you, you know. If you so touch them, they, they automatically they unfold if you touch them, you know. Wow, because sometimes they're in my car. <laughs> I've seen them at my Bible congregation. It's mainly snow that's glitter, though, like silver, red, like what you're seeing. But it would well, be it like could be metal stars. Dust, too. It would be like uh, little stars, you know, regular glitter. Yes, exactly. It, it, it could be metal dust, too, because, um, you know, besides the um, the nanofibers, what's also being sprayed out is uh, nanoparticulate aluminum and nanoparticulate barium, nanoparticulate beryllium, and metal salts of such, and the um, end goal of that is 
to alter the dielectric constant of the Earth's atmosphere to make it more conductive in certain RF bands. I really wonder... Uh, right, now, with regards to that statement that he just made right there, and combining it with a statement earlier about the conditions of the ionosphere between day and night, what is your opinion on using a shortwave radio to figure out when this is bad and when this is good? I find that I get more stations in the early morning, which is obviously less time for shortwave transmissions. I find a lot of this comes over 10 megahertz band. I can hear all kinds of different types of things going on here. What's your well, opinion? Yes, I mean, when you're listening to those bands like the shortwave radio and the CB radio, for instance, during the day especially, when there's, you know, you got the squelch down, you can hear the static and the white noise and all that stuff, you can occasionally hear a, you know, it sounds like a, like a, you know, or like, you know, like a, um, like a Doppler whistle, kind of like that, you know, and what that is are meteoroids, you know, meteoroids coming through the atmosphere. And whenever they come to the atmosphere, they actually create an ion trail. And that ion trail you can actually pick up and broadcast. But, um, beside, but that's beside the point. Um, the um, ionosphere is in a transitional state right in the early morning. It's, it's starting to you know, reappear, but it's not completely manifested. So it's kind of like a half mirror. So you're kind of getting you know, a little bit of skip and um, not as much noise. But when it's daytime, you get a lot of noise. You know, the, the uh, signal-noise ratio and the noise floor is way up because of all the, uh, you know, the ionization. Does that, does that make sense? It, it does, but I'm talking about it in terms of the targeting. Like, is there any way we could use these shortwave radios as kind of like a primitive detection tool. Like, I'm giving you specific 10 megahertz band, and then, yeah, you know so what, the if, you can, yeah. if, you go, yeah. if you go to 6.66, the crappy right. Christian radio programming, and they tend to do stuff on 6.66, too. I'm just throwing that out there, that you'll hear all okay. kinds of those pops and clicks and zings and all that crap. And at times, when the targeting is at its peak, those things seem to be more prevalent on those bands, like, you know, well, just yeah, that, that's all. That's part. Of, I, I think there's a lot of the, there's a Russian network that's part of that too, the IceCat network, and um, a couple other um, you know clandestine networks out there that are putting out pulses and um, you know number stations and clicks. There's um, this one online. You can look it up online. It's called the Pipper, and there's another one called the Woodpecker. And there are these errant radio broadcasts. They haven't really localized exactly where they're from, but they're detectable. You know, they're uh, they're kind of an esoteric uh, you know subject in the in the uh, communication industry because nobody wants to uh, you know look at these uh, ghost signals they call them. But uh, you know they they do exist. You can look them up. One's called the Pipper, and the other is called the Woodpecker. The reason I'm mentioning 6.66 is because I read that a light particle, a photon, will travel around the Earth 6.66 times in one second. 
Well, and I, I found, that, found that, that number to be a little strange. Is that well, true? Six, six, six. Uh, well, it, it, as far as I know, light travels around the Earth seven times a second, so that makes sense of it being 6.66. But um, the, that number, it falls into the um, the golden ratio itself. You know, the golden ratio is, you know, this grand number that is entangled in the very fabric of life and space-time itself. You know, the the ratio of our galaxy, the ratio of your, uh, you know, your arm to your your fingers, and you know, all of that stuff. It's all based on the same exact formula. That they call it phi, and the number six 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 is embedded in that number. Right, and that's why I keep coming back to it because on the short wave, when you dial up six point six six megahertz, you get this crappy, lame, cheesy Christian programming that I don't even like to listen to. And I'm a Christian man, but if you can kind of separate that out over top of all the noise, you can. You can hear it all in the background, and back of the Christian programming is so diabolically like the Legion of Doom diabolical here. Put the crappy Christian programming right on the 6.66 megahertz, and then use that to attack people because nobody's going to listen to it anyway. So it's just, I thought that was a little ironic. Yeah, that is. That's extremely interesting. I, I have to look into that myself because... I, I'm, I was a big time radio nut in my day, and I didn't ever pick up on that one. So I got to look in that one. <laughs> and again, I'm getting a lot of this stuff because they're going to fire that certain thing back up. They upgraded the power supplies on this collider thing, and I'm an armchair physicist over here. I'm an experimenter. I mean, I'm enthusiastic. I don't think oh, the thing too. is going to bore. I don't think it's going to bore its way into the earth. But since this is big news that they upgraded this thing, they're going to collide these particles with 7 trillion volts of power. Yeah, 7 tera-electron volts, right. Now, do you want to hear something just, fascinating? I'm, trying to, I'm just repeating the blurbs that I've been reading about this CERN thing and how it ties into the similarities with the targeting weapons. Oh, I'm all over that. The um, you know, uh, that that goes into a subject having to do with uh, the Montauk Chair and Roswell and uh, the Yellow Book and telecom and all kinds of stuff. It, it would you know go back to the um, to the other guys, the non-human guys. That you know is a touchy subject. <laughs> but yeah, that's you know that uh, CERN is tied directly into Montauk, and it it. Um, it can affect causality on a quantum level, as far as all the research I've done. And there's this um, this one guy. His name is John Teeter, and he's been on the Art Bell Show, you know, back in the I believe it was in the 90s. And he's allegedly this time traveler, came from the year 2025 or something like that. And he was saying that the uh, the CERN Hadron Collider would discover micro singularities. And from there, it would, you know, the breakthrough and, the, you know, discovering the Higgs field and all that stuff. Now, this is before the CERN was even online for that. And now they've discovered micro-singularities and the Higgs field and all that stuff with the CERN. And it's uh, re really um, interesting how it substantiates what this guy was saying. And then right. I'm so, and, and I'm with you. I'm with you because it implies, 
it implies that someone already has a goal in mind with this thing, but yet, since they haven't done it yet, how would they know they would get the goal in mind unless they already knew how to do it? And they're well, just working for it. You're talking about causality. When you, when you mess around with causality, it gets interesting because, in other words, if it can happen, it already did happen, but it hasn't happened yet, and even if it did happen, we wouldn't know it. It's one of those kind well, of scenarios. Well, I can guarantee you I can guarantee you that if it happened, they wouldn't tell us about it. Well, yeah, well, that's for, that's for damn sure. But um, besides the micro-singularities that they've discovered in the uh, Large Hadron Collider at, at CERN, They've also discovered to um, create a similar analog of that phenomena with light in optical fibers, you know, optical black holes in uh, you know, creating a, you know, a pocket of uh, standing waves in an optical fiber. You basically, you have an um, a electromagnetic node that's a void inside of a fiber. They've uh, done that, too. And I don't want to go too far off the subject matter with this, but I'm only touching on it because, A, we've talked about it before on here, and, B, since they are upgrading this thing, it's all its the talk of the town everywhere. Everywhere you look, we're talking about this freaking collider thing. It's going to open a porthole up to hell, and the devil's going to come out, and I guess get his pitchfork out. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but if there's something going on there with that thing, I don't think they would tell everybody that they're doing with that thing, and I'll just leave it at that. I think well, there's I that's that's exactly right. It, the one thing that I I can almost guarantee they're using it for is mind control. You know, because they're using it to affect and manipulate causality, and the, everybody's reality is um, it's all about your perception of it, and your perception of it is all focused on your pineal gland. They still say they don't know what the pineal gland is for, but um, all of the mystics and esoterics say it's a stargate or a, you know, a vortex or a, a, a portal to your soul kind of thing. But what, whatever it is, it's the nexus of uh, the research being done for altering your mind. What's your goodbye gland? At the moment of your death, the pineal gland releases a super toxic of uh, euphoric substance that sucks directly out of your throat as you're right. dying. It's like that's why they do the human sacrifices and all that crap. Right. So, yeah. yeah, there's that's adrenochrome. That's adrenochrome. They're after their adrenochrome. Yeah, that's um, that, that's all about. Yeah. I, you know, I go into you know the mind control and the NSA and Michael Aquino and the Temple of Set and all that stuff. That's the whole thing. They're, so they're, in, they're in vamp- of itself. They're vampires, man. I'm telling you. Mhm. They are. Wow. Yeah, that's a whole other show in and of itself. But anyhow, it's been great talking with you, John, and everybody. And um, I'm gonna get off the air now because I got. Get ready for uh, nap time here. Very good. Well, you're welcome back on this call anytime. And like I said, you email me because I'll send you a couple of the documents I have that describe some of these things in great detail that they have been researching these beams and whatnot for a very long time. And I think that is going to be a lot of our evidence that we're being attacked because 
I think they're misusing the power. They're they're taking power that's there, and they're using it in a way that they're not supposed to be. And then that leads me to the next question: Who is authorized? Who who is authorizing who to do this? Since we don't know, it could be anybody. So well, it it, it has to do with uh, you know these um, creatures that I I call transdimensionals. And that subject is a whole other show too. <laughs> yeah, I call I just call them vampires, man. But yeah, well, they, you know, whatever they are, psychic vampires, loose leeches, or uh, you know, just you know, malevolent, aberrated entities. Whatever they are, yeah, I don't like them either. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're real. They're real. I know. Very good. Well, we'll see you next time, and I guess I will wrap up the recorded portion of this, and we'll go to an open forum discussion. So, uh, if you want to pass your contact information, who is Tuesday. Oh no! Well, that's another call. I'm just I'm just ending the recording so we can talk without the recording going. Okay. Well, um, it's been really good talking with you, with y'all, and I wanted to get that off my chest. And there's much more I would love to discuss, and and um, we can um, touch bases with your email address, and I can um, forward you a, um, a show that I did. It's about four and a half hours long. Another phone call. And everybody, yeah, that I, show I, to I, the, I, I yes, I I want to hear it. It's it's um if you look go on YouTube go on YouTube right now and look up AI satellite terrorism exposed it's like the first or second link on YouTube and it's like four over four hours long that's me I just let it all out man <laughs> and I have to do a part two Could you repeat the name of that, AI? AI, Satellite Terrorism Exposed. Oh, thank you. AI as an artificial intelligence. Yes. And do you have any good websites that you would want to share? Oh, my gosh. I I post so much stuff on Facebook, I can't uh, pinpoint any one. But uh, that one called uh, Bibliopleiades, is great. Another one, Data Asylum. That's great. Data Asylum. I, I put a lot of stuff in Data, data Asylum myself. And um, yeah, that's a good one. See here. Yeah. And there's all kinds of other um, forums that I I post to as well. A lot of the targeted individual community forums, and uh, on Facebook I post there too. You know, a lot of uh, documents and government research. All you know. Legitimate sites. Lynn, what state are you calling from? California. Okay, thank you again. I'm all the way in Virginia, but thank you so much for joining our call tonight. Hey, you're welcome. Anytime. I'm glad to be a part of it. Okay, good night. Yeah, you are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, Lynn.